Let's go. I'm a bulldog. Howdy, everyone. Good night from Woodstock, Georgia. It's about 612 on our Before the Hedges official timepiece. And I'd like to welcome all of you into another edition of Before the Hedges. If you guys see, uh, maybe we've piqued some interest there right at the top of our show. Uh, certainly a lot of things to talk about. We could talk about uh, Romelo Brinson. We will talk about Romelo Brinson. We can talk about commitments. We can talk about a couple of changes that we've made to the top targets list this week. Uh, we can talk about a lot of things that we've been writing about on Dog Nation, especially that new stadium plan. Our Mike Griffith, I believe, has scoured all 226 of those pages of that report, which was released last night to UGA staff and faculty. Um, we'll get into all that. I saw somebody on uh, Twitter was actually uh, lamenting the fact that he could deal with all the social distancing issues except the relish on his hot dog. So that's what we're going to try to do tonight when it comes to your recruiting uh, interest and your recruiting uh, jolt, recruiting fix, what have you. We're going to try to put some relish on the hot dog and make sure everybody gets a really good look at what's going on right now on the June 10th snapshot for Georgia football recruiting. I'm Jeff Centel, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Before the Hedges. As always, sponsored by our great partners, our great friends at Kroger. Um, so that was a little bit of foreshadowing, letting you guys know what's coming up down the line. But... I wanted to uh, start off with, our, I guess, our opening topic. I had a really great uh, conversation earlier today, which kind of follows up with, I guess, some of my reporting this week. If you guys have been on the pages or on the page of DogNation.com recently, you've seen a lot of information, probably my first real stories into letting you guys know about N.J. Morris, uh, Miles Jamison Morris out of Carrollton High School. Now, there's a lot of stuff to get into there. Uh, and I, I wrote a story that shared uh, MJ's feelings and his social awareness of what's going on right now across America. That was certainly an, an important story. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do was get you guys into the minds of the players that are processing and absorbing uh, everything that's going on right now in our country. And I won't forget that two strikes comment that uh, he told me and uh, we published on the pages of DogNation.com anytime soon. But for the recruiting aspect, we had a story go up this morning on DogNation.com, which detailed um, MJ Morris, the prospect, how he sees Georgia, uh, how he feels he's being viewed by Georgia. And I think the one thing I started that story with is you can really sense that uh, Todd Munkin uh, has an appreciation for MJ Morris and his skill set. Uh, this, the, the plot device I use to tell that story is it seems very hard to believe now with MJ Morris rated as the number one overall quarterback in the country for 2022 by one uh, respected national evaluator. Uh, but he's also number two overall, number 41 overall on the 24-7 sports ranking. So that's very interesting. Does it give us a little bit of shades of 2018 when there was a Trevor Lawrence type quarterback in the state? and also a Justin Fields-type quarterback in the state, uh, how Georgia ended up with the nation's number one and number two overall prospects and quarterbacks in that class, the state of Georgia, that is. And one of those went to Georgia and then eventually to Ohio State. And then one of those, uh, in the form of Trevor Lawrence, went to Clemson. Uh, you, you get a little bit of the echoes right now of this in the 2022 class, not saying that these are exactly uh, mirror images of the Fields and Morris, um, Fields and Morris, Gunner Stockton, Trevor Lawrence. They're not exactly, you know, Xerox copies of playing styles uh, because, you know, Trevor Lawrence isn't of himself a different animal at six foot five with 4.6 speed in the 40. But uh, it's kind of the same quandary, which is what we're leading our show with today about what's going on is that. Should the should the thinking there be MJ Morris? Is that who Dog Nation can get psyched up about uh, as the quarterback to really zero in on for the 2022 cycle? Or should it be Gunnar Stockton, the name that we've been writing about on DogNation.com and really appreciated what we saw with some brilliant high school film over 100 career touchdowns through his freshman and sophomore years at Raven County? 
I guess to speak like a writer, uh, that's kind of like if you're a, a high school fella and deciding, you know, or deciding whether or not you you want your 17th birthday gift to be a Porsche or a Maybach or maybe a Testarossa or a Maybach. These are two outstanding options for any program, including the University of Georgia. And neither of them, let's let's be very careful at the outset, are slam dunks or locks for Georgia. But uh, it's an interesting question, especially now uh, when Tom Lemming, the nationally known uh, uh, he's been doing this for years and years and years. He, he can tell us stories about Josh Booty versus Peyton Manning, about about Quincy Carter, about Joe Maurer. Uh, he even told me a cool story recently about a good footnote to Tom Brady's career of how George Steinbrenner offered Michigan's Drew Henson a $10 million contract to come play baseball for the Yankees. And that kind of opened the door for Tom Brady to get his really uh, best shot at playing time in Michigan before he, in his senior year, which led to him being drafted 199 overall in the, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the NFL draft that year. So those are the little ripples of history that Tom was able to share. But the thing I was chiefly interested in was MJ Morris on one hand, Gunnar Stockton, on the other hand, and uh, I think the question I had for him, and we're going to have a clip ready uh, with Tom's own thoughts, but I think the question du jour was why he rated MJ Morris out of Carrollton High School, a dual threat quarterback, about six one and a half, maybe six two now and 180 pounds, why he rated MJ Morris number one and not a fabulous young man, fabulous talent like Gunnar Stockton, number one overall in the country at quarterback for the class of 2022 thought it was interesting to get some of Tom Lemming's insight. I learned about it earlier today. Let's take a listen to it right now. Tom, what do you think was the biggest separator? Was it upside and ceiling why you decided to rank MJ the way you did above those other guys? Uh, you know, I, yeah, upside, he's got great upside because he was injured. He's got terrific athletic ability, skills. He's smart. Um, but again, Stockton, I think, as a passer, is ahead of him. So is Ewers, the kid from Dallas, the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. Simpson also. All of them. But I think oh, as far as when you have to project, I think MJ might be the guy. Just uh, it, it, all of, A lot of it depends on where they go. They pick the right school. Uh, so the school that's going to build the program around them. That's why uh, you just never know. Most of the guys in Georgia want like Gunner and all. They want to go to Georgia. But then Georgia gets great quarterbacks every year. Yeah. Only one's got to be the quarterback. Simpson also. All of them, you know, obviously, Fields went a Heisman in Georgia and had to stay, but he wasn't going to sit out another year. So sometimes uh, it depends on where they want to wind up. So, guys, that's a good look at uh, – that's a good listen to Tom Lemming's opinion. But that's also a good look at what MJ Morris brings to the table out of Carrollton High School. If you see him, you see those clips, you see great ability to throw on the run, great ability to work and kind of be surgical with some good arm talent, great arm talent out of the pocket. But then when something breaks down, he can extend, he can he can manage the play. I think he has been well schooled already by Sean Calhoun at uh, at Carrollton High School. And I want you to do so with the following with the following filter and that is he had a hip impingement last year which requires those close to the Carrollton program percent of his peak physical ability he's actually he had the surgery folks and if it sounds painful he had some some of the bone shaved off around his hip to make that you know make that joint fit better and and kind of flex a little bit easier and he still hasn't been cleared for throwing or contact until July so maybe next month but when you see everything that he's doing right there, the plays he's making, and folks, Carrollton plays some big boy football in the state of Georgia. They play Rome. They play a lot of good good schools out there as well in northwest Georgia. But uh, And they've got an impressive facility. But you see what Morris is able to do, really, in his sophomore year, and you start wondering, okay, did Justin Fields' highlights look like that as a sophomore? Well, no, because Justin really only started – probably about 20 games, 21 total games in high school uh, for Harrison High School um, out in Kennesaw. But you see everything. You see kind of why Tom Lemming uh, rated him number one, especially when you go first year, 
dealing with it, you know, as really the true outright starter and then dealing with an injury playing hurt, but also the plays he was a- able to make the way he was able to, 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 you know, to push the ball down the field, to fit it into some type windows and really as an evaluator here to just to watch him, let it go and spin that thing downfield especially while on the run. Very impressive. You heard a lot of great things about MJ Morris last year. And, and then the thing that the, the quandary here is then you've got Gunnar Stockton, who is tremendous. Uh, Gunnar Stockton is a guy that has played for Raven County. Uh, Jabo Shaw does a great job up there training quarterbacks with his offense. Uh, Raven is one of the, not in the highest classification in Georgia, but they do play up. They do play some of the bigger teams, and they, I think, last year started off twelve and zero before they lost to Thomasville. So you see Stockton, and he, he's he's been magical, folks. He has over, I think, the number is a hundred and ten uh, total touchdowns so far through his first two seasons of high school football. That's running and throwing, and you see the way he's gone about doing it. And man, he he does it on the ground. He does it with a big time arm. And he, he, I mean, folks, it sounds ludicrous to say this, but Gunner, Gunner, Gunner Stockton has the ability to uh, produce 200 total touchdowns in high school football. Let me say that again, 200 total touchdowns in high school football. And when you ask, when you ask Lemming about the differences between the two and, you know, what's going on between uh, in his projection, not where they are right now, but his projection, I think it's fascinating. But when you listen to Tom, you listen to him break down Gunnar Stockton's game. He's got a lot of things he likes there as well. And let's listen to what Tom had to say right now. Gunnar's a great kid, too. I think if I'm a coach, I want a guy like Gunnar as my quarterback because he's he's, uh, unselfish. He's a team leader. He's got everything going for him except he's not six foot four. And yeah. it was the only thing with Gunner I saw that, uh, and his foot speed is is okay. Not, he's not going to be running a four four. So he's uh, but as a passer, he goes to the right system. He's going to be a Heisman candidate also. I think just uh, some of that because he. I mean, this guy's. Uh, I thought he was brilliant with uh, ball placement and everything else. I really liked uh, what he had going for him as a quarterback. And I've seen all the top twenty twenty two quarterbacks nationally already in person and. That's what I mean by it being apples and oranges with him and Morris and with Simpson and, and Ewers. They're all and the, uh, Ewers has got those great stats, but he plays at that high school where all they do is throw the ball. So he's going to have with Simpson too. They're going to have great stats. You know. Uh, funny comments from uh, Joe Brammer on our Facebook page. Uh, Bram, Joe Brammer gives an opinion that he feels Stockton is uh, likely trending to Clemson or USC. And then uh, Wednesday night, man, you said if Clemson takes another one of these Georgia kids and going to scream, uh, thanks for joining us uh, out in your part of the world tonight as well, man. Good seeing you on the feed. So, um, man, you see all this stuff going on and you're like, you know, what's a program to do? Well, let me add another layer of intrigue here. And, and that's with with MJ Morris and the previous staff. Uh, I think it was interesting that the timestamp I gave it in my Dog Nation story today was that um, – it was literally a who's who of everybody Georgia was recruiting in 2020, 2021, 2022 uh, that showed up for the Notre Dame game a year ago uh, in September between the Hedges and Athens. And it was a great show, great light show. The Bulldogs held on for the win. Um, but MJ Morris was not invited to that game. He was not invited to that game. And when you when you see where, where, where he was then and you see these rankings pop up and then the great uh, sophomore season he had as he kept getting better and better. Um, I do feel if, if, if the Georgia Notre Dame game would have taken place in October, November, then maybe he would have gotten an invite to a key plum Georgia football game then. But the thing that happened here, which moves the needle a lot for the story and this story we're telling today is once Todd Munkin came and got a chance to look at the film, look at the crop in 2021, 2022, uh, Georgia started getting a lot more active. Uh, I would use the word skyrocket here in terms of their pursuit of MJ Morris. And MJ Morris has been to Georgia twice. He went earlier this year before the pandemic. And both of these young men, uh, it's clear to me that their recruiting has certainly slowed down since 
the pandemic reminder, they do realize that um, they do realize that most quarterbacks, elite national quarterbacks try to commit um, somewhere in the middle of their junior summer. That's the summer before the summer before their junior year, after their junior, right before their junior year. Uh, Jacob Eason did that for Georgia. That used to be the case, not so much the case anymore, but definitely a lot of these quarterbacks like to be committed sometime after their junior season. But I feel for both of these young men, things have slowed down a little bit. I, I thought maybe Gunner was a, was kind of feeling ripe to maybe make his decision sometime around March, April, but now he hasn't had the chance to to visit a lot of his final remaining schools. And then you got the same thing with MJ, who told me this week that uh, if if the NCA said, guys, go back visit Greenlight, go NASCAR, do whatever you want to go visit schools again, he told me he'd try to visit Oregon, Missouri, uh, Florida State. Uh, and then also Penn State and Michigan. And if he if he tried to figure out a weekend where he could do both, he would try to clip off Michigan and Penn State. Uh, that's not to say that Alabama, Auburn, and Georgia are not in the thick of that. It's just that MJ told me he feels and his family feels they've got a greater understanding of, of all three of those Southern schools. And now they need to see what else is out there. And I got, I'm going to try and play mind reader here. I'm going to try to kind of try to play mind reader for a lot of you guys that are uh, on, on YouTube as well and what you're thinking about, you're probably saying something. If you hadn't said it already, you go, Jeff, bruh, come on, man. Daniels, uh, Carson Beck, Juan Mathis, Brock Vandegrift, no quarterback in their right spiral is going to want to try and play ball at Georgia following that juggernaut. Portal going to be hard to get an elite guy either one of those elite guys in the state and i hear you and that's a really rational and reasoned argument but the thing is and maybe this is the not so fast now's the point where i want to add in mj morris with baseball to the mix because morris loves baseball it plays every position on the diamond except for except for catcher and first base and he wants to see where the baseball thing goes it sounds a lot like old school Quincy Carter days. It sounds a lot like newer school Kyler Murray days. In fact, he told me that uh, his dream was to, to kind of maybe have the options and to kind of pursue the, the career path that, that Kyler Murray did. And everybody, if you don't remember it, because you remember Kyler Murray was a five-star, highly rated, wound up at Texas A&M, redshirted, didn't play much, watched a little bit. Meanwhile, he was drafted by the Oakland A's, and he was a professional in that sport while he was – uh, or he was contemplating being a professional and full-time in uh, baseball while he was thinking about uh, football as well. And then he transfers to Oklahoma. His career takes off. He wins a Heisman Trophy and becomes the number one overall NFL draft pick. Uh, the things with Morris is he patterns his game a lot after Deshaun Watson, the former Gainesville star, the former Clemson star. But here's what I mean by telling you all that baseball stuff. That means that uh, MJ wants to kind of see where that baseball path goes. That means he will very likely, it's a lot for his family to think about, he told me, but it means he will very likely play his senior season in baseball. And that no longer means an enroll early January 22 type thing for MJ Morris. So then when you start thinking and you start putting X plus Y together to equal Z, well, let's say Brock Vandegrift uh, is on his way at Georgia and everybody thinks, well, he's not going to follow Brock Vandegrift. Well, if you think about it for a second and, and you have baseball in the picture and maybe he wants to pursue baseball and play baseball in college, which he says that's what he'd like to do, um, maybe that one to two years and you throw in that six months of not enrolling early where there's some, a little bit of separation there between, uh, which makes it much more likely for a redshirt year, kind of spaces out the gap there a little bit for a talent uh, like a Brock Vandegrift. And let's face it, if Brock Vandegrift plays as well as she should and plays up to his potential at Georgia. Uh, he looks like a three and out player if he plays up to his potential. Even Tom Lemming told me he sees uh, Brock Vandegrift as a guy that will contend for a Heisman Trophy as long as he is the starting, he is the starter at Georgia and he's surrounded by all those weapons at Georgia. So, man, when you think about the intrigue with Georgia in the 2020-20 recruiting class where, folks, that's going to be a gangbusters recruiting class as well. Uh, it seems like these, these years, especially this far out, it seems like right now from my mind's eye, they continue to 
to be brimming with the potential that they will top whatever we've seen so far between with Kirby Smart uh, and his recruiters, Del McGee, uh, Glenn Schum and Dan Lanning and all that, uh, all, all those guys on the staff. But you think about the 2022 class and you think about these two elite quarterbacks, uh, will, will both of them stay in the state of Georgia? Well, no, probably not. Uh, will one of them potentially wind up at Georgia? Uh, there's certainly the chance of that, but there's also the chance that both of them could go out of state as well. But figuring out who's the guy uh, for Georgia fans to really target in on on the 2022 cycle, I think it's a fascinating question. We've able we've been able to add some perspective to that. We've been able to share some of Tom Lemming's viewpoint. That will be on a story, a much more expanded story on DogNation.com in the near future. But you kind of see when I asked him, and this is a kind of a preview of the differences. He already feels Stockton is brilliant. Stockton is more advanced as a passer. But when you take into account MJ, what he did in really his first full year as the wire-to-wire starter, and then what he did maybe at 70% health a year ago uh, with that hip impingement, shows more upside. It shows more growth, especially when you bring the legs into the equation as well there for here. Uh, Gunnar Stockton is very fast as well. He's probably a 4.71, flat on the grass on a laser. Uh, so he's really fast. Maybe he's just not the the four 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 five type that maybe that the five star Caleb Williams is in this twenty twenty one cycle, and then also maybe as fast as uh, MJ Morris is as well, trying to escape and keep his eyes downfield. I think it's a fascinating topic, and that's why I wanted to bring it to you, good people, today or tonight, excuse me, on before the hedges. Please allow me, my manners, YouTube. Let me uh, let me get a chance to, to to vibe with everybody in YouTube. Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, Noah Sheldon reports that Florida is an average team, and that Watson is eight years older uh, than Morris. I do appreciate the nice sentiment there expressed by Joey. Um, I like I like Wednesday night streams with all you guys as well. So. Uh, one thing to think about, and you know, Rodney Hewitt, you're certainly right on YouTube right now is Mathis could be a bigger factor in all this than we give him credit. I certainly would place stock in that statement. I'd also place stock in the statement that I think that, um, Carson Beck is definitely going to be a contender in this quarterback derby for Georgia as well. Um, one thing I want to do, I want to make sure I don't usually tease our own stuff or tease our own products a lot, but. Um, we put something up today on the site about uh, Chris Milton, how he's been processing a lot of the things going on in our country. And again, that was a very important piece of perspective I think Dog Nation needs to learn about. We've uh, brought the story of John Woods to you guys over the last few days and also the, the stories from Severe, Severe Wheeler from uh, Mike Griffith, a live interview he had on Monday night or the other night on Dog Nation. I thought that was a big get for our brand and our flag. Uh, but with um, with what we're looking at there and what, how we're kind of looking at the national consciousness of our country, I thought it was important coverage that, uh, you know, I'm the guy that writes about these young men as people, as human beings, about what's really going on in their lives besides they like the weight room or they like the position fit or the vibe they have with the coach or who's recruiting them the hardest. The way I go about my reporting perspective is I do things a little bit differently, and that's why I wanted to share those heartfelt stories from some members of the Dog Nation family or the Georgia football family. Let me say that to be clear and uh, kind of what they're going through watching all these events unfold across our country. Um, the other thing I wanted to, uh, to to bring to mind to you guys is uh, I don't know if you know this. I, I've heard people clamoring for it for quite some time because it's either dinner time. Taking this product with the, 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 the fine help and the kind assistance from my colleague Connor Riley. And each week it becomes the Before the Hedges podcast. It's up on the Apple podcast platform. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Spotify as well. And I think we're 15 episodes deep into that right now. If you ever had to run and you couldn't finish uh, what was going on, well, just look on your phone for um, uh, Before the Hedges in the Apple podcast platform. It will be there. Subscribe uh, if you feel so inclined to give us a rating as well. But I wanted to let you guys know that that product, was out there uh, in the world as well. Before the Hedges, what we do here every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. 
that is now uh, an Apple podcast, a SoundCloud podcast as well. So I uh, wanted to make sure you guys were aware of, of all that. So we said hello. Thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. Hope you guys are doing well. Let me know where you're checking in from, where you're, what you're doing tonight, um, what you're eating for dinner, if you guys got any of those good groceries from Kroger. Um, we, we chopped up the 2020 quarterback debate. I think that's going to be fascinating to watch this unfold uh, for, the last, for, for, for the next cycle and what uh, heads on forward into that. And uh, with that, I think it's time to pop up our commitment list. You guys can get a chance to see what the current commitment list looks like for the University of Georgia for the 2021 cycle. And I'll do my, I'll do my best to kind of fly through some names and what's going on right there. Um, and regarding, uh, regarding a lot of those guys, there are really no changes in the rankings. I think there was only one change this week in the rankings and that was to Marlon Dean, the, the three-star defensive tackle, the only three-star out of Elberton, Georgia, but you see Brock Vandegrift, still the nation's number two quarterback, number 12 overall prospect. Um, you know, Vandegrift's a guy that he really heats up his throwing around this time of year. Uh, reminder, Vandegrift and Stockton will face off these against one another, I believe, uh, to kick off the 2020 fall schedule. That will be a game I will have to be at. Uh, Micah Morris, the big offensive tackle, part of that dream offensive line haul, potentially for Matt Luke at Georgia. David Daniel rated as an athlete, folks, but he's going to be a hard-hitting thumper of a safety. Uh, the elder statesman of the Georgia recruiting crop for 2021, he's been committed since, I believe, last September. Uh, man, that guy on the down low is doing a whole lot for Georgia, as well as Vandegrift um, recruiting. You see Lavassier Carroll, nation's number seven running back there. I think uh, play a lot of positions at Georgia, but um, he's down at IMG Academy. He grew up in Warrington, Georgia, right side, right outside of Augusta. Uh, next on the list, name the next name you see is Dylan Fairchild, uh, the uh, most recent Georgia commitment. We had a chance to bring his commitment to everybody live on our Dog Nation social platforms uh, on YouTube and also Facebook. Uh, reminder there, state champion wrestler went 46-0 and last year, or this past year, with 46 pins. Uh, pinned a guy in four seconds. Dylan will not enroll early. Uh, projects as a guard tackle for Georgia, much like the Cade Mays uh, work rate that Sam Pittman gave him while he was at Georgia. Uh, Dylan Fairchild is also a guy that um, will start out, according to Matt Luke's evaluation, as a tackle. Um, next up is Jonathan Jefferson. He's still rated as a defensive end, but he will be a defensive tackle in Georgia. Why is that? That's because he's put on some pounds. He's now six, four and a half, about 270. Uh, the last time evaluators got a chance to really get a good look at him, he was more 240, 245. Um, still that's why he's still rated as a defensive end. Speaking of putting on weight, Elijah Judy, athletic, very twitchy, ability to play the run and also play well in space in the Georgia defense as the Jack. He's about oh, right over 250 pounds right now, still rated the same out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, the next name on the board is a guy I'm very, very uh, have nothing but excellent things to say about Chaz Chambliss. Uh, woefully underrated, I think. Uh, if you guys saw that video, a bunch of 170-pound, 180-pound defensive backs and look on um, Chas Chambliss, in my mind, will probably end up as one of the five most important um, recruits, signees for Georgia in this 2020 class, at least the top five, top seven in this 2021 class, excuse me. And then finally, you have the last name there, Marlon Dean, big 6'5", 265. Trey Scott uh, kind of loved him from the jump. He committed to Georgia earlier this year when uh, Georgia beat Florida on the basketball court. I believe that was right. Um, when Georgia faced Florida on the basketball court earlier this year. Um, those, my friends, are your nine Georgia commitments currently uh, for the class of 2021. Uh, it's this part of our show where I want to get you guys really stoked, really excited about something that's going on. Um, and first of all, we apologize to all the mothers out there, but we've come up with a Dog Nation uh, partnership with Kroger that really just slaps the backs of all the dads out there. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I think about Georgia football, especially my roots in Georgia football, I think about my grandpa. Uh, I'm going to call him my papa. 
my memo and my papa, of course. Uh, and I think about my papa, but I think about my dad as well. Um, my first memories of a Georgia football game, I think that was, I was probably five, six years old. Uh, I got to go to picture day earlier that year, thanks to a great family friend from LJ, Georgia. And then I got a chance to see Georgia play Vanderbilt. Uh, I think that was the day Herschel hung 280 on some 280 again. I guess I got to be more specific on the Commodores, but um, that was kind of my first memories of Georgia football. And they were experienced. Uh, they were experienced with my dad and also some really close, good family memories. And that's kind of what's happening right now with, with Kroger and with dog nation, we've got a father's day um, promotion going on and it's, it's, it's live right now. If you go on onto our DogNation.com, especially DogNation.com slash social backslash social, but our partners at Kroger for all you folks that were always clamoring for a $50 more of those $50 Kroger gift cards. Well, there's going to be one of those involved in this one lucky winner, but there's also going to be a gas grill. Our partners at Kroger are giving away a gas grill and a $50 Kroger gift card to one lucky winner in our Kroger Father's Day sweepstakes. To enter, go to dognation.com and click on the link to enter your favorite memory of you and your dad, grandfather, or child. Now, that could be we're looking for pictures, that, that type of submission um, with the memories, and I'm sure there'll be some great ones. But there will be a period of time when you can enter. Uh, you'll have some days to do that leading up to Father's Day. And then we will announce the winner, I believe, on Father's Day. But what a great thing to do for all the dads out there, um, especially um, guys maybe that are in my age bracket or maybe um, maybe the chance to share some really good memories of how maybe Georgia football and a day in Athens, uh, everybody wearing some red and black uh, kind of is a one of the really very special memories we'll all have. And uh Got to thank those folks at Kroger for all they do. And I think they've came up with a really a five-star tremendous promotion right now to kind of link up $50 worth of those good Kroger groceries, a gas grill, um, Georgia football, uh, fathers and son, and, and everything taking place right around Father's Day as well. So, uh, folks, I, I don't need to overcook that one at all. I don't need to put too much charcoal on the grill for that one. Um, but that, to me, my friends, is a great, great promotion, and I encourage all you guys, whether you're talking about your son, whether you're talking about your dad, your grandfather, uh, be certainly something to take a good look at and to be a part of because uh, celebrating a lot of good things in our lives when it comes to all those things that we spoke about before. So go to dognation.com, uh, click on the link, and you can enter your favorite Georgia memory of you and your dad, you and your grandfather, or perhaps just you and your son as well. Uh, I know myself as a uh, as a father. I think I've taken my son to Athens. It's really hard to do because I'm I'm working that time. But I think uh, back when I was working in Alabama, I took my kids to a Kentucky game. That was actually the game where Aaron Murray, uh, uh, Aaron Murray's last game at Georgia, where he where he broke his or he suffered that knee injury and tried to play through it. Um, we went there. Man, I remember that really cold night. We had some big mugs of hot chocolate. And uh, recently I've been able to take my kids there. My kids have been able to show up for a couple of G days as well. But really hard for a guy like me who's working all the time to kind of have some of those memories that you guys get to enjoy each and every week. And I do hope that you good people do not do not take those for granted. Um, so there, folks, that's probably the greatest Kroger promotion in the history of Kroger promotions. And I, I think even the moms out there would have to agree as well. Next up, guys, I uh, want to make sure uh, everybody's hanging out and hanging in. And you guys feel free to go to dognation.com and you can still listen to me as well for that, uh, for all that good stuff right there. Um, this is the part of our show where we kind of roll through our top targets. I want to thank everybody for continuing to hang out with us as well. Uh, I told you we've got some fluctuation in our list this week. And let's start with number 12 right out of the box. And that is uh, five-star defensive tackle Mason Smith uh, out of Terrebonne High School in Huma, Louisiana. Nation's number two overall defensive tackle. He's going to release his top eight on July the 4th. And, folks, I certainly feel that uh, Georgia is going to be in a in, – in uh, maybe not the best position, but Georgia is certainly in that thing there with Mason Smith. Will be a very much an uphill battle there with um, LSU to try and pull him out of the boot state. 
new name. And uh, if we had one of these graphics, we would do a new name for uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. He's out of Gaffney, South Carolina. This is the guy that's dunking on you guys on before the hedges on things. But I think he's all the way up to the nation's number five defensive tackle and number 84 overall for 24-7 sports. Not the composite, but uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Uh, about, he's, he's rated as the nation's number five defensive tackle for all of you guys that want to know every week, Jeff, where's the beef? Well, besides that uh, great meat market and that great uh, meat section at Kroger, where it's at is right now at number 11 and 12 on our dog nation before the hedges top targets list. Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, those are the schools that are definitely in there as contenders for uh, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins out of Gaffney, South Carolina. And I know for a lot of you folks, uh, you're kind of wondering, I know folks on the Dog Nation Forum are wondering, uh, you know, when is Georgia going to win one of those battles between South Carolina with a kid from South Carolina or North Carolina for one of those big-time defensive linemen? Uh, when is Georgia going to win one of those? Number 10 is Xavier Sori Jr. He's out of Graceville, Florida. Xavier uh, Sori is considered to be uh, on the short list now for Georgia in terms of inside linebackers. Uh, I think Georgia really turned up the pressure uh, with Xavier and Sori Jr. when things kind of went orange and purple with uh, Barrett Carter, the fine inside linebacker out of uh, North Gwinnett. Number nine, you have Brock Bowers out of Napa, California. I still think if Georgia signs any tight end, and the, the one tight end that Georgia wants to sign for the 2021 cycle is Brock Bowers. I think he gives Georgia something totally different than what they've had at the tight end position before. He's about 6'3", about 235, true 4'5 speed. Uh, he, he plays linebacker for his team out in Napa. He returns kicks. He carries the ball. He's kind of one of those do-everything athletes, the type of guy that could have 100 yards receiving and in a game and also have a 88-yard um, kickoff return for a touchdown in the same game as well. I think he's got 31 career touchdowns over the past two seasons at Napa. And he's averaging last year, he averaged over 25 yards per reception. Uh, staggering numbers there for a tight end, uh, to say the least. And number eight, folks, you see the name, Corey Foreman. I think he's moved up at least uh, three spots there this week, four, two spots this week to number eight. Corey Foreman, the five star defensive tackle. Uh, I think it's going to eventually come down to Georgia, LSU, and USC uh, for Corey Foreman. And if you follow the way things are going, uh, I think Mason Smith and Corey Foreman do detail a lot, speak out a lot that they want to play together. But um, that's always easier said than done in the long run when it comes down to the best position, uh, the best thing to do for each of these young men. And when you think about USC, um, and again, this is the rare decommitment from Clemson as well. But when you think about USC and you look at their schedule, um, you see three, maybe four losses for USC, especially with that number 60-ish overall recruiting class from 2020. And uh, you kind of compare that to Georgia, where I don't think I don't think Georgia loses four games over the next two years. Um, I think you'll have a great couple of visits to Georgia, and Georgia will be definitely. Uh, be a major contender to eventually in the long run to sign Corey Foreman. Uh, number seven, let's drop to our next page. Um, Terrence Ferguson out of Peach County, kind of remaining there at seven. Uh, everybody knows about Terrence. Solid, dependable. I hope people don't forget this talented Peach County offensive lineman going about things his own way in his recruiting. Um, two big visits he took to Georgia in January. He also checked out Alabama. Georgia and Matt Luke, first-year line coach for Georgia anyway. Matt Luke is definitely continuing to make Mims Ferguson uh, priority because they've already got commitments from Dylan Fairchild and also from uh, Micah Morris as well. Number six on the list, we have a dip a little bit. Donovan Edwards out of West Bloomfield, Michigan. Michigan's in there. Notre Dame's in there. But that is, to me, the de facto alpha running back target remaining in the class. Uh, Dallas Turner is at five. Dallas Turner has hinted that he will make his decision now in July, July-ish. It's kind of like the next name on the list who moves up another notch. Uh, Smile Munden Jr., who basically says June-ish uh, sometime uh, in the months, in the next two weeks. Uh, Smile Munden Jr. will definitely make his decision. And for me, it certainly 
still for me, at least my perspective from what I'm being told, it sounds like a Georgia Auburn battle for there. And I don't think the Tennessee balls are in there quite as much as all that online chatter uh, depicts it to be number three, a Mary Smith, six foot seven and a half five-star offensive tackle. Um, should a Marius Mims sign with Georgia, I think he'd probably be one of the six or seven best offensive linemen that Georgia has signed in the Kirby Smart era. And, folks, that's not a dig. That's not a knock. That's that's saying a whole lot when I'm saying that right there. Um, Bleckley County, Cochran, Georgia. Last time he told the world, uh, he does mention a lot that Alabama is kind of his leader. And he also says that um, he wanted to make his decision, his commitment decision on October the 14th. That would be his birthday. Number two is James Williams, a fantastic do-everything defensive athlete type. I know it says safety there, but I'd much rather every week, if I wanted to be true to the board, put the term five-star defensive athlete next to his name, uh, six-foot-five almost, uh, can do it all. He can literally do it all. And then number one, the five-star, Tony Grimes. If you guys remember last week, and please let me know if you do, um, Frank Patterson, I'm seeing on YouTube, you got uh, wondering about no RBs in the top targets. Well, we got we got Donovan Edwards on there at number six. Uh, but um, you guys remember last week we talked a lot about Tony Grimes Jr. I hinted some things at the beginning of our of our top targets while we were talking about things with Georgia, and then I came through at the end with some news that I was finally allowed to put out there about how um, he might reclassify, folks. That means he would be a 2020 prospect as if that to graduate early, reclassify to 2020 and then show up at one of his top four schools. Those were Ohio State, uh, Georgia. Then you had uh, Ohio State, Georgia, North Carolina uh, amongst the top four right there. And also Texas A&M was in that bunch as well. But uh, man, if he reclassifies to 2020 and somehow Georgia could add Keely Ringo, and Tony Grimes into the same recruiting class at the same time, that would be really the number one cornerback, not just in the 2021 cycle, which is Mr. Ringo, who's already on campus, but also uh, the 2021 top cornerback as well. And then all of a sudden, when you look at names like DJ Daniel and Tyson Campbell and Richard LeCount and Mark Webb Jr. and Eric Stokes, you know, Jr., those guys that would be moving on to the NFL after the 2020 season, you start adding in those names, adding in a Jalen Kimber, adding in a Major Burns, adding in a David Daniel. You have those type of players with, you know, guys that are already on campus right now with Ringo and Kimber, Lewis Seen, you know, secondary. And then you include them in Alabama. Uh, man, man, the secondary. DBU folks will probably uh, begin to associate Georgia with, GB, with DBU, and rightfully so. Um Rodney Hewitt says he'd rather have him in 3,021. Joey brings up the point that UJ will soon have an NFL prospect at every position on defense. Uh, Joey, I think that time is already there. No, I do not forget your man, Devon Wilson, as well. All right, guys, you got some questions. I know we uh, we try to give you guys a good 45, 50 minutes of juice on Georgia recruiting. Um, I guess I got to get to Romello Brinson. Let me make sure I get that included. You know, that's a guy that's going to announce in the next week. Uh, to me, he's a wide receiver. Uh, man, the Dog Nation Forum has been killing it. There's people that have watched him play. They say he's a super athlete. Maybe he talks a little bit too much. Uh, doesn't talk as good as his, uh, his, his game doesn't really – keep up with his how much he talks about his game but to me it certainly means uh that uh south florida speed you look at his tape it's very good he's been he was committed to miami miami is still one of his finalists texas a&m is in there georgia is in there um i just really i just think big picture with this a lot folks my perception here is you know you see different evaluations you hear about different evaluations with Dion colsey how much does what does Georgia really think about the board? Who's at the top of the wide receiver board right now? Is it a is it a guy like Malcolm Jet Johnson, the speed burner? I think that's what I look at when I look at Georgia receivers. Is I look at what they don't have, and folks, they got just about everything you could ever ask for 
I've said on the Dog Nation forum, I think that Georgia just signed the best five-pack, the best group of receivers it has ever signed in the modern recruiting era. When you got guys like um, Jermaine Burton, who I think will contribute immediately, Marcus Rosamy, same thing can be said there. Arian Smith coming off that wrist surgery, but uh, a true 10-2, 10-1-type guy. Lad McConkey, Justin Robinson. Please do not allow me to forget Justin Robinson. Um, I think Justin Robinson might be in the two deep a lot faster than folks might think at Georgia, uh, considering what he all, everything he brings to the table with size, speed. He enrolled early. Um, he was always very highly prioritized for Georgia in the 2020 recruiting cycle to begin with. Uh, I, I think Georgia now has the chance to be very judicious and be very uh, play the long game with a lot of their guys with what they're looking for in the 2021 cycle for receivers. And I think a big thing to consider is really uh, what do they not have right now? And I think what they would probably need a little bit more of is those small, quick guys that can put their foot in the ground and go. Those true 4-4 guys. Um, you think I know D- Demetrius Robertson is a 4-4 guy. He would be leaving. Really, when you look at the wide receiver room going forward, the only guys that you would consider is those lethal burners like Alabama has had with Jalen Waddell and Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith, guys like that. And the Henry Ruggs, please don't let me forget Henry Ruggs, but really the only guys who have those kind of wheels and that kind of gear right now in the Georgia receiving room would be D-Rob for one more year, but then also uh, a Jermaine Burton and then also an Arian Smith. So I think speed, Speed might be the biggest commodity uh, rather than a, you know, a six foot two receiver that shows a lot of variety of skills and plays against good competition uh, like a Romello Brinson does in um, coming out of South Florida. Uh, so, guys, got some questions. I think love to hear them. Let me spend a few more minutes um, going through a lot of going through a lot of um uh, Joey wants to know who are the biggest recruits that may decommit. Uh, I saw Mario Williams being one name to watch. I think a lot of guys, anybody that's committed right now, I would say there's probably a 30% chance, especially those guys outside the top 50, top 100, um, that they might decommit down the line. Uh, Bud Elliott of 24-7 Sports, I bring this stat to you every week because it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, there's over 900 guys that are committed right now in the class of 2021. And usually by this time of year in mid-June, almost mid-June of, uh, of 20, uh, 2020, uh, there's over 900 guys. And normally there's only about 350 or so guys that have made their commitments up to this point. I look at Georgia's list. I think this is actually a list of guys. You know, Georgia's only got nine. Some schools have 21. Some schools, most every school above Georgia in the 24-7 sports composite rankings, uh, they have 14, 15, 16 commits. And I think this one right now is pretty much decommit proof about guys that I don't see Georgia moving on from Georgia or Georgia moving on from. Uh, Kells LeBeau. That's right. You know, Kyrus Jackson's a good name to bring up. Kyrus is probably a 4-5 guy, high 4-5 guy, really fast, super athlete. The thing with Kyrus, and I, I don't think he got the, the best chance to show his best self last year when he got that wrist injury. Because remember, he was making plays against Vanderbilt. And, uh, but then he did start five games for Georgia, like that wrist injury. And so he, he kind of lost some potential momentum on his season, but he's definitely not that four, four guy. Targeting for a long time that Georgia swung for the fist fences and missed on last year. Uh, let me see. Not counting Zachary Evans, of course, uh, no Sewell, uh, Theo Johnson, uh, those were the guys that were in the uh, top targets list for a while. And there was Eric Gilbert there for a time. But I think when Georgia fans can realize what they have there with Darnell Washington, I think that balances out maybe what what you had there with um, a guy like um, a guy like Eric Gilbert on the list and Theo Johnson on the list. Of course, Georgia and tight ends coach Todd Hartley wanted to take two and they only got one, but they got uh, Darnell. who's actually going to wear um, – numbers the number zero you know folks if you haven't heard that lately let me make sure you guys know you can get used to wearing seeing college football players wear the number zero not the number double zero but the number zero in the future they're allowing them to do that yeah brian marcoulier brings up a point um very, very crowded quarterback room. It's just the way it is going to be, man. I mean, 
I think Georgia, I think, I think what Kirby Smart wants to do is he wants to be like a risk management insurance guru. And what I mean by that is he wants to uh, make sure he's got insurance, insurance policies left and right. Uh, he's seen some injuries that have happened to a guy like Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga Bailoa in the past. Uh, he doesn't want to go into a big ball game uh, and maybe try to out quarterback that could not win a game remember all the remember all the worries we were having this time last year georgia fans were they were they were deciding you know what happens if something happens to Fromm because Fromm had such a great track record of health and um coming up getting under center and you know taking the ball and you know shaking off some ills shaking off some dings and always being ready to play for georgia but um you know what if georgia had to try to beat a notre dame without Fromm, or if he came out with a shoulder or an ankle or trying to have to beat a Texas A&M or a South Carolina or a Florida without a you know a quality championship type quarterback, I think Georgia wants to try to figure out a way where they always have two guys. Maybe they're staggered a little bit in eligibility. Maybe there's a graduate transfer guy like Newman, and maybe there's a bunch of young guys. And it seems inevitable, um, Brian, that a lot of uh, that a lot of battle and competition is going to take place and. I think Georgia is just always their job as coaches is to make sure that room is stocked with studs and then let the practice field sort them out. And some folks are going to portal. Some folks are going to transfer. But the ones that remain will have went through that culture of competition at Georgia where they're a very stinking good quarterback. And let me let me circle back right around. to one thing we said earlier about MJ Morris, MJ Morris, certainly to me, sounds like a young man that's not going to portal to him. It's almost like he's got it made up in his mind that he needs to go somewhere and he needs to be there for three or four years and build. And if he's not good enough yet to to be the starter, then he's going to work his fanny parts off until he has the chance to be a starter uh, and really earns the right to be a starter. So uh, another thing you got to really like about um, MJ Morris right there, he sounds like he definitely doesn't want to be a uh, portal type guy. Um, let me see if I can hit a bunch of these. Uh, Andrew Ray he pontificates that Zeus can hit a thousand yards. I would agree with you, Mr. Ray. Uh, Joel Moody. Good question. Hope uh, we haven't missed your dinner bell up. Hope you and the wife are doing well, but what returning wide receiver other than Pickens do I have the most faith in? Hmm. I've got a lot of hope slash faith in Demetrius Robertson. Uh, but for the returning wide receivers, I have the most faith in. Yeah, I would probably think Blaylock. Blaylock's—it's the difference between faith and where he can just be the guy and he can make a ton of plays, guys. I think Blaylock only caught 18 balls last year, but you folks, you remember the big ones he had—that one against Auburn, that one against Georgia Tech. He had five touchdown catches last year. Um, Moody, I, Joel, I also probably think about Trey McKitty as a returning wide receiver to put a lot of faith in as well. Yeah, folks, I see some Darnell Washington stuff in there. Um, Darnell told me this plainest day. We were in um, Orlando, Florida, and I said, all right, man, let me go ahead and set the meter here. I want to be able to tell folks that this is not one of these kids that comes in thinking he's going to shock the world and be an All-American. I said, what do you think are your realistic expectations for your freshman year at Georgia? Number one, he said, get in shape. Number two, he said, learn a lot. Number three, he said, adjust to the speed of the SEC and college football in general. But I think him and his mentor told me that 18 to 20 catches, 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, that's what they would think. That's what they would think as, you know, the realistic, a realistic freshman year. So you go 15 catches, 250 yards, two touchdowns. I think he'd be happy with a season like that. And I don't know if uh, Dog Nation would be happy like that, but that to me sounds about right. Uh, Roe Hawkins, good question. Uh, see that Lakers sigil you got right there. Um, any more running backs on the list? I think LJ Johnson is a name to think about. And Roe, um, got to give it up for my man Roe here. Roe, thank you for jogging my memory. But in the back of my mind, because George is trying to find different players, uh, different players, and 
Kamari Harvey, who I saw years ago, I was there, folks, at IMG Academy, and they were playing. They were playing. Uh, Smith was a junior starter, crazy good, even back then. A dude. And then James Cook was um, in his senior year glory at Miami Central. So I was sitting there, and I was taking all the pictures during warm-ups. And I watched this. I mean, I guess I would call him Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, this super fast dude. He was only about 150 pounds, but he moved so quickly and he cut and started and stopped so fast. And that's Amari Harvey out of Miami, Florida. It's kind of a third down jitterbug, do everything type back. Think about Noel Devine. You know who Noel Devine is. It would really impress me if you know that. Maybe Warwick Dunn, maybe more folks from Georgia. Little, a lot of that to this young man's game. Now, he's not as you know ridiculous as Noel Devine was. If you young, young bucks out there want to know what I'm talking about, YouTube, uh, when you get up, we get off this feed, YouTube Noel, Noel Devine, and you, I want you to look at his tape. He has one of the most glorious recruiting highlight tapes. I'd put him in the top five all time I've ever seen. Uh, but Amari Harvey, you see a lot of edits, and he, he knows a lot of those guys from South Florida. David Daniel tweets about him a lot. There was a recent edit on my Twitter feed today, of all things, uh, where Georgia continues to recruit him a little bit. And I think Amari Harvey, again, he's in he's in Miami, so Miami's really going to be one of those guys that could just be tight. It's not going to run in between the tackles or whatever. Um, but that's something to think about. Another name I want you to bring, I want to have tucked in the back of your hand, head is Shadarius Townsend. That's a guy that's been in Alabama for a couple of years. Um, didn't really produce a lot of stats. Great special teams guy. Uh, recruited as a wide receiver in the 2017 class. He has already um, graduated in three years from Alabama. He has entered the portal. I think he made that known earlier today or late last night. Uh, but that's a guy that I expect Georgia to kind of see what's happening with that because could be a special teams guy, could be a running back depth guy. Um, already graduated from Alabama, so he knows what – type of work that would would go on in a championship caliber program that might be a guy georgia could add some depth to with two years of a guy like that he does have two seasons available um two years of a guy like that potentially rather than uh, taking a risk or, or a project guy um for two years um you know one of those you know project guy i mean by that is i mean a guy that certainly has all the skills but doesn't produce a lot and doesn't is more raw and undeveloped than other prospects uh that would be a transfer portal guy again and you folks are going jeff goodness gracious that would mean 90 scholarships it's already hard enough to try and find room for jt daniel who's going to be portaling out you know you guys know about the the jared zirkel blue shirt we've been writing about for quite some time um at kicker for the 2020 season but uh, Georgia still would have to lose about three to four uh, scholarships or create about three to four scholarships um, in order to bring in all these guys for the 2020 cycle. Um, folks, I know you guys are, are, are watching your phones. I've seen a lot of texts pop up on my phone, and I do believe it to be correct. But uh, former Brave uh, Claudel Washington, I'm being told, has passed away and Man, Claudel, uh, that guy in right field uh, at Sweet Swing, uh, those plays on the fence for the Atlanta Braves, uh, that man. And certainly for the impressions on my childhood with baseball, he, he will certainly, certainly, certainly be missed. Um, folks, it's been another Before the Hedges. Uh, make sure, folks, I'm going to repeat it again. Dog Nation and Kroger, great partnership right now. Kroger is shining right now for Father's Day. What they're doing is they've got a promotion where um, I'm going to, I mean, the, the thing is so stinking awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to repeat it one more time. Everybody talks about the gift cards we used to give away all the time, the $50 Kroger gift card for those great groceries. Uh, but Kroger is giving away a gas grill and a $50 gift card to one lucky winner in our Kroger Father's Day sweepstake. How about those dads? Not how about those dogs, but how about those dads? To enter, go to dognation.com. Click the, on the link to enter your favorite Georgia memory of you and your dad, grandfather, or child. You have until Monday, June 15th to enter, and voting starts the next day on uh, dognation.com. Social, uh, Father's Day, uh, we'll have your voting. Uh, share those memories of you and your dad in Georgia. 
uh, favorite Georgia memory of you and your dad, grandfather, or child. I think that is a great, great thing for Kroger to do to recognize dads and fathers and granddads on Father's Day. And uh, somebody's going to get a gas grill and a $50 gift card from those good folks, those great people at Kroger. Folks, I'm Jeff Sintel. I uh, write for this uh, website called dognation.com. Lots of things up on our site today. That new stadium plan by Mike Griffith, uh, that recruiting dude who writes far too much, uh, has written a couple of stories as well. MJ, I'm certainly thrilled, still thrilled, still proud to do so. Uh, very thankful that I get to be the guy that uh, shows in front of your, uh, shows up on your screens every Wednesday night talking about Georgia football and the phenomenal recruiting effort that is done. Uh, by this staff, by the Georgia program each and every week. I'm Jeff Sintel. Thanks for your time. We'll see everybody again on dognation.com. Everybody stay safe out there. Let's go. I'm a bulldog. So Georgia, who won't pick it? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. I never settle.